ready, mate. All right. Well, <laughs> Kazzy, mate, how you going? I'm good, brother. I'm good. It's, uh, sun's shining. Summer's around the corner. Daylight saving. We're not far away. Not far away. And then when daylight saving's around the corner, usually it means uh, grand final time. Uh, but we got a little bit of a little bit of a delay this time. We're pushing it back a bit, so we get to soak up daylight saving for a whole, nearly a whole final series, which is exciting. Perfect. Also, you when it gets into this daylight saving area, October, November, you start having to finish off your showers with a little bit of cold water. Having to yes. finish it off a little bit of cold water. That's when you know you're starting to get into that summertime. You know, this daylight savings the first side, then the cold water, then the showers, the second side. The next minute, we're hearing about the bushfires, but we won't wish that upon us every year. But you know, it is what it is. That's just a, a staple of summer. Sorry, sorry to all the bush victims. The bush we're uh, we're very lucky here in Australia and in the East Coast. We've we've got a nice, uh, we've got a very mild three month winter to get through. But we all complain like we're living in the Alps and say how bloody cold it is. Should I get a scarf? Maybe I should start wearing gloves when it barely tipped below ten degrees. And before we've even finished complaining, it's warming up again. Like if you buy slippers at the end of July, then you're going to get one month's use out of them uh, because that that summer's coming around. But the below corner. ten is freezing. Yeah, we are fucking sucks. Anyway, we're going to get straight into it. We're going to run it straight. I'll let you take the first carry tonight. There, Kaz, who you got? Who's in your side? Yeah, I've been looking to run it straight at this bloke. All year, he's given me plenty of reasons. You've held me back. You've held me back, just back. like the guy who's sort of given lip in the, you know, at the start of the game. And I want to go and take him out. And you go, just wait for it, wait for it, and now's I, the I just, time. I just knew you're going to get plenty of opportunities throughout the year. And I just thought, hold up a little bit, but I, I can't hold you back any longer. You know, he's it's, it's he's taking three shots at us at our front rows. Yeah. He's taken two yeah, tries he's, off he's, his This has been the last. This has really been the last draw. Um, you know, for for all the the faulty decisions that Jared Maxwell's made this year. Now, let's remember he was the referee in charge of that Knights Manly game, uh, where there was uh, no call for the interference with the kicker. When basically all of us thought that that should have been a penalty, we could have given that game. Uh, uh, a little bit more life, and perhaps uh, Ruben Garrett gets the chance to kick that goal and level it up. And so he didn't make that call. And the most well, recent one we've seen now, which another manly game was he not the guy who was the video ref for when Wonga Blake knocks it on into Martin Tapao? Yes, he was. I'm pretty sure he was. Yes, he was that referee in that game as well. He doesn't know what a knock on is, old Jared Maxwell. I think he sometimes he's not sure if he's watching American football or perhaps. I mean, to be honest, uh, the. The other one that I think of that comes to light is Tyson Brazell against the against the Bunnies. When he went over the line, um, a referee would have called him for a double dribble if that was the NBA. Uh, yet he called it a try. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it literally, that would have bounced uh, half a metre um, from his hand before it hit the ground. So, shocking. Shocking display. And now, let's remember, this is the guy who, after... Those video refs in the Man, uh, Melbourne versus Raiders game sent Bailey Simonson to the sin bin. Maxwell oh. was the replacement for those guys after those guys got dropped. So there's not a lot of high standard going on um, through the through the uh, the NRL bunker at the moment. But that Lindsay Collins one um, on the weekend, not only is it beyond common sense for the guy who plays the ball to then be penalised for an obstruction, uh, it's a front rower. You're taking tries off front rowers. How what are you doing? doing that? 
I'll be doing it. Well, I gave you a pass when you did it to Kate Ellis a few weeks back when the Dragons beat Parramatta. And this, this is the problem I'm I find. I'm not even sure you gave him a pass. I actually received a text message from you about Yeah, look. It. So I don't think well, you gave him a pass. But as, as you said earlier, I sort of just told you to just call your Jets, call your Jets. Yeah, I've had enough of the bunker now. It's, it's, uh, they're inept. They're incompetent. Uh, and it's just not, it's not good enough. And at least Gray Man Annesley is calling it out. You know, he said that was silly. It's ridiculous that it was, uh, it was a no try. That's a try on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's on a try on every day of the week. Yeah. That's a try. You know, and he respects, the, he respects the big men. Kate Ellis, it's just too much of this. Just a little interpretation on that, that, uh, that butcher getting in the way, apparently getting in the way. That is no different to when a dummy half gets the ball he shakes to one side, the marker goes, and then he jumps back to the other way. It's the exact same situation. The guy is there, he's dummied, then he's moved around, and he and of course the, the guy's playing the ball, he's come back around the other side. It's That's the ruck. Just, that exactly That's the ruck. It's the ruck. The guy isn't like I can understand if the guy's trying to hold him and things like that, but he's there. He can't disappear as Gus Gould. He can't fall into a hole, as Gus Gould likes to say. Um, so it's the exact same interpretation. And all of a sudden, you know, you're taking another try for front row. You're not going to get... That's not going to slide here to the tackle. And it's the, it's the same thing with this too much um, nitpicking, over, uh, over-reading, over-analysis of the rules of rugby league. And they do it with the knock-ons. You know, when you see that guy's... He's got the hands on the ball and then there's, you know, there's three large men trying to bring him down. So naturally the ball and the hand are moving, but he's got that hand on the ball. And then an opposition player's hand touches the ball, but his hand doesn't come off the ball. And then it goes in the other hand. They go, oh, that's a knock on. Yeah. I'm sorry, the ball Kane, never left. Kane Evans on. That was Kane Evans, another front yeah. rower. Because when, when I see him saying, he, when he, you see him saying, no, nah, I never dropped it, I never dropped it, I was going, ooh, don't, 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 don't waste your challenge there, Kane. But he said challenge it because he knew he never dropped the ball. So then in that instance, the guy's, you know, attacking the ball, but there's another guy in the tackle. So it goes from him going to lose the ball. If he loses the ball, it's a penalty to Parramatta. But he doesn't. He's actually kept the ball on his body. You can't tell him yeah. how he wants to hold it. If he wants to hold it in his arm under his elbow, that's how he wants to hold it, under his elbow. You can't yeah. tell him how to hold it. He never. He had full pressure of the ball onto his body. The guy was trying to take it out, but he never got it off him. And then he got to say it's a knock-on. You're just stupid. Sorry. It's embarrassing. Sorry for interfering with your running. No, you're right. No, look, by all means, tee off because this overzealous approach from video referees trying to make their imprint on the game, uh, you are there to officiate. I don't want to remember your name. <laughs> to be fair, that and was a fact- challenge. So he's been asked to come in. So that, that's a little bit different. He's tried to stay out of it, go rest on the floor. But, no, but that's the ref making the call. That's the ref making the bad call. Because again, same thing. He's, he's looking at it the same way. He goes, oh, that's a knock on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, well, I'm going to run it straight. I'll, I'll, I'll pop it to you, mate. Yeah, pa- pass it on, pass it on. I'm going to have my run it straight. So I, I thought I was going to do it a couple of weeks ago, but I thought better of it. But now I'm, I'm going to go on Adam O'Brien and the Newcastle Knights as a whole. Now, I'll start off with Adam O'Brien. Much respect to the Adam O'Brien. I'm not here to disrespect you. Uh, although I'm probably going to sound very disrespectful here. I just feel as though Adam O'Brien has come into the Newcastle night, 
standards. He's got his standards. He's got his expectations. He's come from the two of the, the best clubs in the NRL this century. Uh, spent, I think it was, what, 10, nearly 15 years at the Melbourne Storm. 10 plus years at the Storm. Yeah, and then he spent one year at the Roosters. So you're going, you're going from clubs that, one, have roster, and two, have standards and culture that, that they've implemented over a period of time that uh, didn't happen overnight. Let's be fair. It did not happen overnight. The reality of it, the Roosters um, had a touch of Trent Robinson in the first place. And then he come back in 13. But we also got to remember, they had Sonny Bill Williams come to that side. They also had the inclusion of James Maloney and Michael Jennings. On top of already the roster that was probably, maybe not premiership contenders. Well, you've but, got leaders building. You know, yeah. someone like Boyd Cordner, who's now the Australian captain, was part of that side, you know. So he's, yeah. a, he's a growing leader amongst those men. Yeah, yeah. And they had Mitchell Pearce. They had like a lot of experience, but then they added the, the superstars into that team, which allowed them to perform how they did in 13. But then from then on, Robinson's been able to maintain that standard and implement standards, and, and the Roosters have been able to do that. Same with the Melbourne Storm. You know, he, he, whether he was there, for, I don't think he was there from the start, but eventually once he got there, um, the standards were already there. So I feel like he's gone to the Knights and just expected the Knights, just because he'd worked in a system where the standards and the cultures are so high, he's gone to the Knights and just expected, well, because I walked through the store and I'm going to say and do and implement what I've seen for the last 10, 15 years, and you guys are just going to fall into line. Um, and then the way that he's spoken, you've been very, you've defended him a few times. I feel like I've probably been out of line sometimes. Like, what's he to say as well? Because he's trying to maintain a standard. But where I feel a little bit like, um, I find it a little bit unnecessary is that you still actually have to have the roster to be able to speak like that. You still actually need to have the standard to be able to speak like that. You look at the Tigers and Michael Maguire. Michael Maguire gets a little bit carried away as well sometimes about trying to expect the standard that he has, but you don't actually have the quality of players yet. Now, it, it doesn't just stop at Adam O'Brien. Adam O'Brien's tried his best, so I apologise if I've gone a little bit hard on Adam O'Brien, but it's not just Adam O'Brien. They, to be fair, I think Michelinus sent the nail on the head. They're back to square one. They got flogged by the Warriors one week. They managed to beat the Sharks, who are not where you want to be measuring yourself on. Let's be mm -hmm. fair. You don't want to be measuring yourself on the Sharks. And then they get flogged by the Premiership contenders, the back-to-back -back Premiers. So and really... they made more than 50. Really, they're not at where they need to be. So it tells me they may have improved from last year, but it hasn't been due to Adam O'Brien. It's been due to the fact that they've got more games under their belt. They're, they're at that level now. They've probably got a couple of extra players. He may have added a little bit, but why it's not just Adam O'Brien's fault? What, what was Nathan Brown doing wrong? Yeah, yeah. look, uh, I just thought that was unfair for him to get sacked. He'd already done all the hard yards. He brings them up into a position where they're probably a bit more consistent. Now, let's face it, they missed the eight last year. What did they? They didn't come ninth. They must have come tenth or eleventh. They come tenth or eleventh, I think. Yeah, end. maybe even twelfth, right? But it would have only been two or three wins. They've gained what two or three wins, and they've sacked the coach for it. When well, I think there was a bit more. I think it was more to it than that. Obviously, there's a bit more going on in the back background from that. By all reports, he'd lost the playing group, as they say, um, mm. and that's a point where they want to try and shift. And I guess it's. I can, I can see where you're coming from here, Wick. Um, and look, I'm a, I'm a bit of a softie, being in the heartland of it. 
Um, you know, I'm around a lot of positive Knights fans uh, and just positive aura and energy. You know, they're all pumped that for the first time in seven years, they're going to be playing one week longer than half a comp. And, you know, there's something to it. As, as Roosters fans, we, uh, we're a bit spoiled. We've been sport more so since Trent Robinson's been there. And let's be fair, before Trent Robinson got there, we weren't guaranteed final success. Well, you know, no, we, we weren't guaranteed before, final success, but we were always, if, uh, at least, if we'd missed the finals one year, we were only ever one or two years removed or away from, you know, being a threat of some kind. Yeah, okay. okay fair enough. That, that's fair but yes, enough. now we've now we've been able to with Trent Robinson, the Roosters have sustained Melbourne Storm like success. Correct. And so I'm not talking you know, like let's be fair, the Roosters have had a great roster. They've had a great co- now I'm not saying that Adam O'Brien and that methodology or that uh, ideology or that way of approach isn't going to be effective. But what I'm saying is the reality is the roster isn't where it needs wasn't at the standard that he expects that he is portraying. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's a little bit of a knock on... It, I just think with Nathan Brown, Nathan Brown was quite honest. There was that time against the... Sh- against the sh- too honest sometimes. Too honest. Yeah, too honest, but... Okay, fair enough. Maybe he was too honest, but what I feel is I, was, I had a soft spot for him. I liked Nathan Brown. And so when he got the sack... Okay, maybe maybe he did lose the roster or lose the change room or playing group, but also sometimes that's just something that gets said to justify the decision. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, that's why I was running it straight at them because they sacked the coach and they haven't improved to the extent that they should have. And then the way the coach has, has spoken about the team throughout the season, I just thought it was a little bit off the mark. Personally. Tell me, two weeks out from the finals, do you see them going any further than week one? No. No. Not a chance. No chance. Because they play south of the Raiders. And south of the Raiders will beat them. Well, there you go. They've got uh, Adam O'Brien and the Knights have got a lot to prove and change your change your mind when it comes to expectations. And I think all fair shots. All well, fair like, shots. The, it's, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me that they finish seventh. There's probably six better teams than them this year. It's just the way the coach talks about them is as if they're the second best team of the year. Well, no, they're not. You, would you not say though sometimes that he's trying to try? He's understanding their standard is middle of the pack, and I want you to start thinking like you're like uh, we're working towards top of the pack. But you feel like it has, they haven't reached that point to earn that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when you look at Michael Maguire a little bit. He says he he sort of was a bit soft. He wasn't too. He wasn't very brutal. As he wasn't as brutal as Adam O'Brien throughout the year. Maybe because he is more aware of where the roster actually is at. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he needs a clean out. I'm not saying no. that roster in a couple of years' time can't get to where they need to be. What I'm saying is they sack the coach and then this guy's coming and expect them to be top four. Well, they're not a top four side. There is a clear, distinct five teams that are better than them and South Sydney will feed them on the, if they play them week one. Even without- well, you got to feel... You've got to feel like the way that this, this Knights team has been building, they get the first taste of finals footy this year. There's an addition of Tyson Frizzell coming next year. Yep. It's starting to be that next year there's a lot more top six, top four kind of pressure or expectation. Well, I could probably almost half justify Adam O'Brien a little bit. But they've also got to start putting in those performances. Like when a team, over 20 weeks this year, they... they have strung together, you know, 
probably what what was the winning, top winning streak they had this year? Maybe four, five? Oh no, no, I think three. Well, three. Three, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, their consistency has been their biggest. They, 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 that they is got a off to a reflection of, of the attitude, one, but two, of the, the ability. Mm. You don't, you don't see Johnny uh, Morris crying in the in the press conference saying that they're not up to standard when they've been, you know, one week on, one week off. They got flogged by the team. I'm just about that. I'm sort of having a go at now. If they were to fall less than that, if they were to fall below this, then they've had a uh, an underachieving year, but the reality of it is they've had a, a, a par season. Yeah, look, well, 10, 7, and 1, you know, 10, 7, and 1 is where they're at. Uh, they're early on in the year, their defense was, you know, quite admirable and, and quite very strong. It was what's keeping them in a lot of games. And then it's that that defensive lapses and lapses in attitude over over the past month or so, which has been. You know, they're on full display for what's been the unravelling for them. So, yeah, they're going to need a lot of improvement and um, they're going to need a lot of improvement very fast if they want to do something come September. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just think, like I said, they're going to play one more week longer than half the competition. You know, and it's an improvement, but it's the, yeah, not the improvement that you would have um, thought they were going to get from the way that they carried on about the sacking of the coach and then the the way the coach proceeds through the year. Yeah, enough about him. Uh, he's still, you know, I'm not saying he's not cut out. I'm not calling it a wiki versus Adam. I don't want to have a wiki versus Adam. I feel like he's got plenty more to 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 do as a coach, as a head coach. And just, yeah, it sort of rubbed me up the wrong way, some of his press. No, that's all right. That, yeah, you run that straight, brother. Right well, speaking of running it straight, mate, let's talk about the, the fellas that run it straight every single week. This is my favourite part of the, the, the show. So, like, one of the dummy files was funny and favourite, but we've, 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 we've achieved what we needed to achieve there. This is my favourite part where we get to celebrate. How did that go? And, and what a performance from front row as it was this week. Yeah. You know, not, not, not only did we have numerous try scorers, so I'm going to run through the big fellas' try scorers. Uh, Fantastic teamwork as well, might I add. So Friday night, obviously, uh, Taniela Pasika and Martin Tapao, both of them getting over against the dogs. And it's great It's great when one front rower scores. When two score, you know they're having a party back there. And then we move over to the Sunshine Coast on Sunday. Now, these boys have done a little bit of tandem scoring as well. Nelson Osofa Solomona and Tino Basua Maliawi, both of the big that, boys. You know, five tries for Tino. He, he, he wants that gong. He wants that gong. So he's fighting it out with Hamlin Ueli. Uh, and then, of course, you know, who could forget Sunday night? Toby Rudolph with the match winner. And how good has he been? Yeah, he's been fantastic and, you know, this year. Just to sort of touch on, on something that you mentioned uh, earlier in the year, we were talking about uh, guys who have sort of spent a year in, year or more in, in reserve grade yep. before getting their sort of full-time shot. And this is a guy who spent a couple of years in reserve grade. You know, he... He had an opportunity earlier young and then, you know, went into, into reserve grade, played a couple of seasons for that uh, Newtown side. And at 24 years of age, he's in his first full season of the NRL. And how ready does he look? Yeah, perfect. And barnstorming, he's been wearing that 13 jumper every week but coming off the bench. Um, so those five boys, they were sensational. Um, and that was just tries. Those were tries. And obviously, Lindsay Collins, special mention, like he should have got a try. He is a try-scoring front rower for years to come. I think he's looking after that number 50. He wants to chase 50 like Big Papa. Um, but on Thursday night, the display, the finesse 
Thomas Burgess putting grubber kicks in, getting repeat sets, forced dropouts, and then taking the first hit up off the dropout. That's what he does, mate. He do everything. He doing it all. Goals, kick goals. Doing it all. See you That's up, what Yahoo kick goals. You know, and we love it when we see it. You know, I, I, Jared Warrior Hargraves is the... Uh, to be as the epitome of a front rower and that aggression and everything he brings, but also the excitement you see in his face when he gets to throw cutout passes or inside balls. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've well, seen a few get that block where, he's, where he's gone to throw to the deep man, but he's done the no, the no look pass. Yeah, and, yeah. He's, and, no, and he's done the no look pass with a. Yeah, you know, he pulls the face like you or I would. Like we know, like I know they're going to show this on the replay later. Ooh, so. Just fantastic work from the big men. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, dummy fold. We've got no, no, nothing for the dummy fold this week. Well, I've got nothing. Have you got any? Started, you know, no, no dummy fold entrance. And we start, you know what I've started to notice? We've started to see uh, people going from dummy half when they should. You know, though, though we saw the right times. Guys who were five out, their pressure was back, taking it to the line, looking for runners, and then engaging the line. Okay, maybe you've come up short. But you haven't slowed the whole play down. You've got the defense on the back foot. And then bang, okay. shift, and find the space out wide. So they're listening. Yeah. And if you sort of jump, come across a little bit, come across a little bit, and then go, that's different as well. That's a bit different. Like I said, exactly what you said. They've looked for some options. This is... Um, They've engaged <sighs> the defense. They've engaged the defense. You're not engaged in the defense when you're running. We guys only for that white line. And, and there's only one outcome. There's only one outcome when you do that. If you don't achieve, we're going to... I just feel like the whole purpose of the dummy file has achieved its its purpose. We pulled it back. You know, we went out for a blitz early. We went out blitzing. Gone back to the warnings. They've all accepted it. Okay. We don't even want any warnings. So... Now, on your best behaviour come finals footy. Because if there are a dummy file entrance in a finals game, there ain't no warnings. We're going to put you straight in. There ain't no warnings. You've had all season to be warned. Yeah, exactly. It's not cost your team success. All right, now, we've we got to, we got to, obviously, last week we spoke about the backs. This week we're going to talk about the forwards, you know, our favourite parts of the game. But before we get on to our forwards, uh, we've got uh, a match of focus that happened over the weekend. Uh, well, we always have about the West. focus. But the actual match of focus was the Panthers, 20, beating the Parramatta Silk to two. What'd yeah, you... too just too good, weren't they? But yeah. Parramatta just that, that attacker theirs is they look lost. They, they lack look... confidence. I feel it's a, it's it's confidence because we said before the season started they've got a very fast car. Throughout the season we saw how fast that car could go, but now it just looks like. I think they're really missing Dylan Brown as well. You know, especially the way Mitchell Moses is playing. I don't. And I'm not saying it's because they were playing poorly before Dylan Brown got injured. I'm not saying yeah. Dylan Brown is the reason. They don't get that pass mark. But what I mean is, you know, he is, he is a ball running six and he's going to take that line on. Um, and Moses, when Parramatta were playing great, he was, he was taking it deep into the line. You know, he's engaging the defence, finding the Madison and Lane or getting, you know, they, they picked the right times to get early ball to Jennings. They also picked the right times to barrel it up the middle and find those... Uh, find those tired forwards, uh, you know, bouncing through, and then Dylan Brown and these guys play off the back of that. And it really has been since round nine, since Moses got injured. They, they just haven't really been the same. I'm not, I'm not saying he's playing crap. 
he's definitely not in the form that he was at the beginning of the year. But do you think maybe he is lacking a little bit of his potency? Because sure. yeah, because he's not running the ball. There was plenty of good signs with Parramatta. I don't want to say that they're... Well, I can definitely confidently say they're not going to win the competition. But I don't want to say they're going out the back door just yet because I feel like they showed a lot of fight, a lot of grit, and a lot of reason as to why they were still in the top four at the moment because they're attacked... Their defence. But they defended so strongly for so long that you had to be proud. I started getting the sense that they're going to catch them late here. It started to build as one of these games where it was gonna, they were going to get them late. You know? They were just going to be like a gutho type of play or something where Wonga Blake just gets the ball and he does one of those things where, you know, where no one can stop him. No one was stopping yeah, him. He goes his way through the line. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that where oh, that's what, that was the feeling that I was getting because of the effort that they were putting in defence, especially in that first half. And, and then it just come down to sheer volume, really, where... They just couldn't withstand it. It was like a, uh, you know, they, a boat, you know, they'll try their hardest to keep the water out. It was a boat that was sinking. They'll try their hardest to keep the water out, but they eventually realised they were in the ocean. The ocean was going to beat them. Yeah. It's, um, like, like you said, they've definitely lost that confidence. You know, they, I mean, it, it is, it all really does come down to their attack. I mean, obviously they had that um, bit of a blowout against the Bunnies where they, you know, the floodgates opened up and there was some, some holes found. But for the most part, they've been keeping teams to under 20 points. Um, but they're just really struggling to score more than a couple of tries. Yeah. And in the same way that Robbo says, when you, when you concede four tries, you put yourself in a coin flip. Well, if you've got a great defense, but you can only get over the line two or three times yourself, then you're in that same coin flip. Um, and unfortunately, that's where they're, where they're at at the moment. Um, they scored more than 20 points once in the last six weeks, and that was against the Warriors last week. You know, they've, they've had to grind out a few wins. You know, Dylan Brown's pretty much going to be out for the season unless they can go a little deeper into the finals. They need Reed Marnie back as well. You know, they, they need that. When, when they were really rolling at the start of the year, uh, they had that creativity out of his game, out of out of the nine, you know, a great kicking game and was really engaging the middle and sort of finding holes. And, and those big boys were rolling off the back of it. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo, for the first eight weeks of the season, were the best two front rowers of the comp. Yeah. And it's not that they've been poor. They've still been, they're still giving their all and they're still ripping in. And then with Nathan Brown, might I also add, um, but they're just not able to get the same results. And when your attack is not getting the points off the back, front rowers can only do so much. But I had a little look at the stats. Now I'm not a big big man when it comes to stats, but there was a the 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 stats were quite telling in this match when it comes to meters run and runs, actual runs. So the Panthers had a lot of the ball. They pretty much every single forward outrun every single one of the Parramatta forwards. Sixty four percent of possession. Yeah, well there you go. There there it is in itself. The, the sheer volume is the reason as to why it ended up being twenty to two. But there was like, I think I had a look at it and there might have been one of the Parramatta forwards might have run more than one of the Penrith forwards or something like that. And, and one of the, the Penrith, the Parramatta back three ran more than one of the Panthers back three. So they, they just had all, all the ball. They had all the running. And it's just looking, if you were to look at the scoreline of 20 to 2 and then you looked at the numbers run, the run metres per player, they ran through them, and I just and I just want to make a special mention, James Fisher Harris. I don't think he's got. He's going to get a mention a little bit later in the show. Sure, he was spectacular. Seventy-seven minutes, 
ran for 250 meters. Um, yeah, pretty much dominated the middle of the entire game. Four tackles as well to go with it. How many? 44. 44. There you go. There you go. So he had a big... Yeah, he's been, he's been one of the premier props in the game. You know, it, it, you're right. It, it, the, the tail and the numbers, If in fact, if you look at the stats, it's almost surprising that it was only 20 to 2. Well, that... It, um, have, to have nearly twice as much ball, 800-plus uh, more running metres, seven line breaks to zero. So, uh, by all accounts, Parramatta probably did well to keep him under 30. Yeah, well, they, they did do well. They did do well. And like I said, it was one of those games where you think, you know, you've seen plenty of these games before where a team has just been on their back foot the entire time but just kept saving try after saving try. Another one of Gus Gould's favourite favorite sayings is rugby league's all about scoring tries and saving tries. Parramatta were doing that in the first half. They managed, I think the Panthers scored their first try right on the stroke of half time, which which wasn't good for Parramatta and the fans there as well. So anyway, um well, unfortunately they, 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 are, they might have been doing the second one, but they weren't doing enough of that first one, which is scoring them. Um, yeah. and you could you can fight valiantly and save tries all game, but if you score none, it's gonna be very very hard to win. Yeah, very hard. Um but Penrith, yeah, just the machine rolls on. Thirteen in a row. Um, the big boys, like you said, the Fisher Harrises, Isaiah Yo, uh, kicking out, and then just the fact that they've got a few more strings to their bow now. They're not just a one-two punch of kick out and yeah, um, kick out. <laughs> and Cleary just trying to weave some magic. Liam Martin has been the find of the year. Bless it. Kurt Capel was brought in to to take that second row spot, and Liam Martin just hasn't given it back. Yeah, is he going to be? Bolter? Is Liam Bolter this year for New South Wales? He could be a bolter. He could be a bolter. Like you know, he, I'll be disappointed if he's not in the in the squad at least. I think it, making the squad might be a bit hard for him this year. Yeah, fair I enough. Think there's a lot, there is a lot of guys ahead of him. Like I said, just remember he's had one good season. I can't see Boy Corner playing Origin this year. Yeah, you've you've been adamant about that. I can't see him missing it. There you go. Well, only time will tell with that one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's, you know, there's a lot of guys in there that have been in the mix for a while. Um, you know, anyway, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to Origin Talk when we get to Origin Talk. Right. Um, but look, another you know, impressive performance by Penrith. They look like they're probably going to win 15 straight going into the finals. They finish off against the Cowboys and the Bulldogs. So. Yeah. Well, with credit to them, man. You know, it's, you're right. I, I actually understood what you meant. It's like, well, if you keep winning, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you don't. Like how can, you? I don't know. And it was about winning the comp. You can't win it if you don't lose a game. Well, you obviously can. Yeah, but you've got to win. Ga- but you've got to win games to win the comp. You just kind of kind of pick pick the time you want to lose before it. So yeah. you know, I just want to talk about the Roosters because they had a great game. Sunny Bill was back, uh, and what back? He was great. Back, uh, actually back. And I'm not knocking him from last week. It was just a. It was a blow. It was one of those ones where you just got to blast the cobwebs out. And so yeah, for sure. Sonny Bill, the, the athlete, not the professional, the athlete he is, only really needed one blow. You know, he's got to be protected. And, and by protected, I mean in the way that uh, he can come off the bench, he doesn't have to do a big workload, and most of the heavy lifting can be done by the other superstars in the Roosters' side, whether it's Siwa, Takiyaho, Satili Tupanua, Angus Crichton, uh, Luke Keary, the other superstars, James Tedesco, Tupo, Morris, they can do the heavy lifting. So when he can come on, he can bring that class, that that finesse type of thing. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. We were both sort of inkling at it, but you're right. By finals, by week one of the finals, 
he's going to be doing exactly what Victor Radley was doing. Yeah, well, that's why they want him in there, you know. Um, the microphone is on your, is on your headphones, Dave. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, look, he, uh, like you said, the cobwebs were busted off and he was just parading around that middle. You know, whether it was throwing cutout passes, it had three offloads, 100-plus metres. Um, Luke Keery was having a field day on that left edge. Oh, my God. When you get Keery and Morris and you bring Daniel Tupo back onto that flank, forget it. You find me defence is going to stop them. Yeah. Um, that game, it was 42-12 and they should have scored 60. It looked like it looked like it was going to be one of those games when I just refer back to that semi final against South when when Robbo says I wanted fifty. That's what that game was looking like. I wanted yeah. 50. It was thirty to twelve at half time. You know, it's forty two. It wasn't far off, I suppose. Well, considering they took one off Lindsay, they yeah. took one off Lindsay, and we also had I think two more tries which were disallowed. Now I'm not saying the other those tries that were disallowed should have been tries. But they got over the line plenty yeah, of times. Corner, the knockout, yeah, yeah, boy, corner. That was actually when I thought about it. I was like, oh, this could be 50. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it was an impressive performance and it was a real warning to um, to the rest of the league uh, that the Roosters are building and coming. Now, something I wanted, I, I heard someone else mention, which I thought you know, seemed clever, clever enough uh, of a statement, whether it was true or not, and that's a smart move by Adam O'Brien to rest uh, Caelan Ponga, and, you know, rested Mitch Barnett and Heimel Hunt as well. You can do enough by giving your, play, your top player a bit of a spell against a team in a game where you probably won't, you know what, I don't think we can win this match. Uh, so I'm going to rest a couple of my top guys. So we've got a little bit of an excuse for why we lost, you know, but not a whole excuse because I want the team to own it. But we were at least missing our top guys. So I'm not going to destroy their confidence going into the finals and we can we can have ourselves a you know a little bit of a reason to fall back on as we progress through to the next week. So perhaps not a bad play. Really playing playing the playing the team. Was a Newcastle fan telling you that? No. No, it wasn't a Newcastle fan. Uh, I saw someone else uh, I can't remember who told me that, but not Newcastle fan. Well Mickey NS thinks the exact opposite to that. He doesn't think they're yeah. right to rest their players. And they don't, he, this is McKenna saying, and I read, I agree with him. Says, they have earn the right to rest your play. Where do you have to do to earn the right to rest your players? To me, I think you're, you're, the right you need to earn to rest your players is making the finals. Okay. Well, McKenna doesn't believe that. And the reason why he doesn't believe that is their inconsistency over the last literal three weeks, where they got towed up by the Warriors, they managed to beat a team, as I said earlier that you don't want to be measuring your, your season up against, and they're one win in front of them. And uh, then they got towed up by the Roosters. Now, he also said that that's why they haven't earned it, because they're inconsistent. And you want to be going into the finals with playing well into the finals. And, For sure. And by resting two of your better, better players... You know, Hunt, he's he was rested. Maybe he was carrying an injury or whatever. He was carrying a bit of an injury, yeah. Was, and, and they all would have been carrying an injury. If there was no, uh, you know, if none of them were sort of under the weather, they would have played. So I'm not knocking that. But what I mean is, what what I agree with and how I feel like he's right is you need to be playing winning. You need to be playing good footy. Now, if they don't win, 
a 42 to 12 loss is a hell of a lot worse than an 18 to 12 loss. Yeah, but I don't think Caleb Wong was making that much of a difference. But it's the confidence. Mitch Barnett may have made the difference. Maybe it could have been 18 all, 24 18. I can can see where he comes from, and I get that. Um, I just feel if you've got your best player in Caleb Ponga, who probably is a bit banged up, let's remember, he still broke his nose last week. It's not like he didn't have any injuries. so, you know, it seems a little bit like, oh, he's resting the best guy when you're coming up against a team where you really need him. But I just think he knew they were never winning that game. And it's like, well, fuck, we're never winning this game and Ponga could get actually hurt. And then we could get flogged by 40 in the first week of the finals. And that's not going to be great for next year. Let's be, let's be ready for them. Especially when he got it locked in. But it, it, was, it was a tough situation for him. You know, coming up against the red-hot Roosters, they're just not, they're just not as good. Getting flogged by 40 or getting beat by one in a semi-final, a knockout semi-final is the same thing. Just look at Parramatta. Why is it the same thing? You're out. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile or lose for that matter. So yeah, why but look at, okay, but, okay, but look, at, look at where the Broncos are this year. Yeah. And they made the finals last year and got beat 58 zip. Yeah. Now, this is a Newcastle team that hasn't had a lot of uh, finals time uh, of late. And they're also a team that faded hard last year. They've yeah. clearly got some mental scars burying around. So you want to go into that finals game and get beat by 40, and then next year you come 12th again. Yeah, now, well, I'm not saying that that, that game's going to be the deciding factor. Of example. They won their first two games this year. So it didn't affect them. And then no. if you also want to go up the finals of the game last year, Parramatta got beat by 30 in their, in their semifinal. That knocked them yeah. out. And they were good yep. this year. So yeah. losing the semifinal... By an inch or a mile is the same. In a knockout semi-final is the same. Okay, so which game's more important? Round 18 or first week of the finals? The first week of the finals. So, well, But it's about preparing for week one of the finals. They are. They're resting their big man. They're resting their, num- their, their most important guy. I'm going to rest you and have you refreshed for those, fo- so for those said finals. Because but after last exact, week, they're already right. locked in. They're already locked into the finals. They cannot ex- not make them. But your exact words were, if they get beat by 40 in week one of the finals, how good is that going to be for them next year? Well, yeah. that's, not the prob- that's not the problem. The problem is they need to be winning so that they win week one of the finals. Not yeah, that I suppose so. I guess we just have to agree to disagree, Wick. I, I just think having your guy... Like, you can get getting beat two, uh, two weeks before the finals. I'd rather do that and then have my as fit possible squad ready to go finals week one against probably Canberra Raiders. Yep. Or potentially True. Parramatta. True. Oh, sorry, sorry. Probably South Sydney. Looks like it's probably going to be South Sydney by all accounts. Yeah, just on that as well. The McIntyre system. I was talking to Jack about it today. I want it back. We need it back. I've spoken about this. I speak about this every year leading into the finals. Now, the fact that the Canberra Raiders are sitting in fifth and they've got to finish fifth because Parramatta have two easy games to finish up their season. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. They might lose, but I, I can't see. I can't see that. Uh, yeah, most likely. Mostly. You've got Canberra Raiders sitting at fifth now. Canberra Raiders, they're probably the best place, fifth place side since this new system's been introduced, right? And so I was thinking, you know, Parramatta are going to finish fourth. You know, that fifth position there, or eighth position, I was thinking South might want to finish eighth, but you don't want to be playing Canberra. You know what I mean? So yeah. that eighth position was really the spot to be because the winner of 6v7, they're playing Melbourne or the Roosters. Mm-hmm. So okay. six and seven, they're gone. 
whoever's finishing sixth uh, or seventh, you might as well start for next season. Finishing eighth, might as well start for next season. You, you know, obviously they might get through to round two, but eighth ain't been in Canberra, so they're gone. The winner is six and seven. They're not beating Melbourne or the Roosters. I'm sorry. Now, you know, I don't want to jinx it with the with uh, South Sydney. You know, they might beat us, and that'll be disappointing, heartbreaker as a Roosters fan. But the reality of it is, South Sydney can beat uh, every team in the top eight, except for sorry, every team in the top four, except for Parramatta. You know what I'm getting at. The only team that can beat above them is Parramatta, and they're not playing Parramatta. So, without Latrell Mitchell, mind you, if Latrell Mitchell was Completely different story. Correct. But, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be interesting final series anyway. Um, unless uh, you never know, there might be some surprises. Uh, but yeah, could definitely Paramount are looking like the old one-two out the door at the moment. Straight sets. They'll be straight sets. Sadly, sadly, only because they've got Canberra week two of the finals. All right. Um, now, also, sorry, I am going. We are going to get onto our forwards. We will get onto those forwards, but just explaining this McIntyre system. Previously, with the McIntyre system, 1v8, 2v7, 3v6, 4v5. So the top four versus the bottom four. Now, if you were first, you had two bites at the cherry to play in a preliminary final, and your first bite was against the eighth-placed team, the eighth seed. If you were second, you had that same scenario, but you were playing the seventh-placed team. Now, pretty good reward, might I add. Pretty good reward to finish that, in the top two. That is the reward. Is that yeah. two bites at the cherry and your first shot is against the, the lowest two ranking teams remaining. Now, they've changed that whole system. So, one, still get two bites at the cherry, but instead of playing eighth place, they now play fourth place. So, they play the fourth best team in the competition. Mm. But second go from playing the seventh-ranked team to playing the next best team after them at two bots. Now, that's not fair. That's not fair one bit. They go from playing seventh, oh, we've got a new system. Top four get rewarded. No, they don't. Top four don't get rewarded. Yeah, no, they've made it top four instead of top two. That's, that's how I see it. It's top what? four over top two. So now the premium, and also you have a team like say, the Sydney Roosters, who go, no, don't get me wrong, they've finished in the minor premiership plenty of times, but with an experienced side, it's like, just finish in the top four. All we've got to do is win one game, we're in a prelim. Whereas before, you wanted to finish in the top two because you could finish fourth and win that game. You're still going to be playing next week. Exactly. So does that not make for a longer season? I agree. And look, the only issue with the McIntyre system was the, the weird things that happened when a team that came third lost the first week and then had to go and play away against the team. Like we saw the Tigers lose to the Roosters in 2010 and then the next week had to play in Canberra and Canberra finished seventh. You know easily, prob- easily fixed solution. Higher seed holds home ground and field advantage. Correct. That's it. That's it. All the way through. You can't, exactly. It is. It's disappointing. But the only justification for it, so it's not fair. It does make sense because I was about to say it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. It's just not fair to the top two teams. And it's actually rewarding. The the biggest rewards of all of this is seven and eight because now seven go from versing second place at a sudden death match to only the team that's just above them 
Yeah. At a second bar. At a, at a well, the winner, the winner is the winner is the fans, in their eyes. The, the fans. fans. If you're the fan of said seventh team, you know you're going up against the sixth team with a chance to be alive one more week. And the fair, the the fans of teams who might not have someone in the finals, they go, well, I've got one versus four or two versus three cracking matches coming up. When it was wild, one versus eight and two versus seven, the one versus eight game was always on Sunday afternoon. And there was a fair chance it was a 40-point flogging. Yeah. It had to be on Sunday afternoon as well. So that's the other reason why I can understand. So the first week of the finals was fixed then. They couldn't change it. It had to be in that order. Otherwise, yeah. if it was in a different order, one of the games could be a dead rubber rim. So, okay. But for one week, for one week, for one fucking week. That's all it was. Anyway, enough about that. It ain't going to change. They're not going to listen to me um, unless I put them in a bit of... It might change, though. It might change. Let's remember, the AFL used to have the McIntyre system. And then they switched to the system they have. And the NRL had the McIntyre system and switched to this system. I think the AFL switched twice. They had the system that the same as the NRL that they have right now. They went to the McIntyre system and then they changed back to this one. So... We always people change. Who knows? The Landys might go, fuck it. I want to reward the top two teams. We're bringing back, you know, we're not going to do the McIntyre system. I'm going to call it the Valandi system. Yeah. And top seed holds home field advantage. There's the change. The Valandi system. I'll call it, I don't care if it's called the Valandi system. As long as it brings Pull that Anyway, that's another story. All for it. We get it on to our forwards, our all NRL team. We're going to talk about nominees for the forwards. Uh, should we save the best to last or should we start off with the front rows as we do every week? Uh, let's start with the big men. You know, I think we should start with the big men. We should give them the most airtime possible. You know, they, yeah. they take the first hit-ups, uh, they make the first tackles, they do everything. All right. Well, um, I'm going to start with my guy. Well, not my guy. He's not my guy. But I'm going to start with who I think. Because you know, we could talk about our guys forever. We will get to them. But I'm going to start off with... Uh, you know, Josh Papali'i, big puppy, down the nation's capital. Uh, he's been the most dominant for a front row for the last two two years easily. And yeah. probably not on three, could have been three years. Uh, he's he's really t- taken a leap in that yeah. time as well. You know another thing, and Ricky Stewart started well, he's, he's, he's started him off the bench. And it's not because he's, you know, the fourth best front row on the team at the time. It's just to allow other players to get a bit of that, that taste of the start. You know, yeah. what I mean? and his ego hasn't gotten in the way. His performances haven't dropped. I don't even think his minutes have necessarily dropped. It's just a little tweak that you know. It's it's always been a better team that's been well below them on the ladder. And yeah, he's been clever there by Ricky. And as I said, Ricky Stewart's won it this year against me. And I, he's won it more than just me against this year. I would have to put it to bed. The Wiki versus Ricky. And every now and then, I might have my shots in here and there. But as a season ongoing seasonal thing. Ricky Stewart. Well, he's done it. He's done it for the first time since 2003 uh, or 2004. They've made back-to-back final series. So, uh, well done to the Canberra Raiders. Uh, You've certainly shut the wick up. (laughs) That's hard. Yeah, and and then the other front row that I'm going to throw out there, um, James Fisher-Harris. Yeah, how can you not mention him? Absolutely. Big meters... Uh, just going about his job nicely. I remember when he first came on the scene, I felt he was a little bit ill-disciplined. It was a little bit of that... that uh, it's, I don't know if it's specific to Māori's or if it's a front rower thing or a Māori front rower thing, but they come on and, it, and they, it's sort of like they have this feeling where 
or this image where they feel like they have to impose themselves on the game or impose themselves on the opposition. Be an enforcer. Yeah, where, when you're just the new bull, you're the young bull in town, just play the game, you'll eventually get to be the big bull. Josh Papali'i, he, might, he had that one, one game against Paul Gallon where he was a little bit, you know, on that borderline of trying to take on the big bull. And it would have been a little far up from Ricky Stewart. But I, other than that game, I never saw him push the envelope a little, you know, to the grub. You know what I mean? Or he'd give away those dumb penalties or he'll give away that dumb mistake. Whereas when young, you know, Māori front rowers come on the scene, they, they can, t- you know, they just play a little bit too, too aggressive. Yeah, As they're they trying get, to do too much. They get a bit older, they manage to find the balance of aggression and within the realms of, of what's effective for the team. And they don't cost them games and things like that. And he's really, really found himself. It, it, you know, it reminds me of, of Hargraves back in 13, where he's just at the start of his reign. His reign. Yeah, well, he's really... It's, it's the big thing. I remember Hargraves talks about uh, the biggest thing for him, which took his game to another level, was his fitness. Fitness. When he, when he, was, when he picked up the fitness and was able to go longer and sort of push himself, you know, to, I guess, out of making those silly areas because it's under fatigue that the, that knock-on comes, that, yeah, that, that loose high tackle. You're trying, to, you're trying to do something. You're trying to force the issue maybe to get a stoppage because you're trying to cut a corner. Yeah. And once he had that fitness in hand, you know, he really went to another level. Fisher-Harris is the biggest workhorse in the NRL, I think, out of the big men. He's averaging 190 metres a game. What about Payne? With 35 tackles. Oh, the tackles. Payne Huss doesn't doesn't not make. He's tackles. right there with Payne Huss. He's right there with Payne Huss, who is already amazing. The fact that uh, Payne Huss is this like standard bearer of workhorse front rowers in his like second full season. Um, <laughs> it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and look, why not talk about that guy? He's been a shining light in you know in a sinking ship, and you just you can't wait till he gets to run off the back or be pushing the ball forward for a team that's actually playing winning football. But he has not let that hold him back. Yeah. You know, there's almost been moments where you've, you've felt like, fuck, I almost wish that they give him a 20-minute spell and maybe he can create more line breaks for them. But, like, that's not what he's there for. That's just an added bonus that he brings. Um, the speed and the motor of the man, he, you know, he's going to be one of the premier front rowers for a decade to come. Um, so... Payne Haas, hopefully, you know, maybe maybe five years down the track, we can see so red, uh, you know, red, blue, and white, you know, on those uh, draped across those shoulders. Well, Hargraves can't play forever. A man can dream. A man can dream. You know, mm-hmm. Payne Haas, phenomenal. So, look, just real shame for him to have to do it for a, a struggling Broncos side, but he's no doubt going to be there for the New South Wales side um, at the end of the year. You know, Freddie will have him in there without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. Look, the next guy I want to talk about is is a rooster, and he. I think has been one of the best props in the game. Yep. And Siwa Takiyaho. Absolutely. He, he has been unbelievable. He's a guy with a motor. Um, he's a guy who he could, he could... I honestly feel like if you needed to, you could put him in the centres. <laughs> I feel like he could, he could handle it. Like, I wouldn't want him to play centre. He'd be wasted out there. Um, but just the footwork, the speed, the motor, uh, the heart as well. Like, when, when his team needs it, He's going to bring those two carries up in that set. He's going to rip in in defence, and if he's, he, good luck getting that man off the field. 
but you'll have to drag him off. Also offers with, with not only all those other attributes, but he's also got that pass. Yeah, well, he's got that. Little he's got a great little late, and he can take it really deep into the line before they throw it. Um, and he's that's the Roosters have over all the other packs is all of their, especially their starters, um, and even Lou who comes from the bench, they can all tip it on. And anyone yeah. can tip it on, but they tip it on late. They tip it on into holes. You know, so they they run in pairs. Yeah, they run in pairs, and 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 you know. They all, everyone gets taught to run in pairs, but that pair or your mate coming who's coming with you is knowing, is sorry, it's not nowhere as effective, is a lot more effective when you can pass that ball off. Exactly right. If they jam and they want that third guy coming in, you're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, no one's going to respect the pass if they know you can't throw it. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, look, he's, he's phenomenal. I just want to also give a special mention the Parramatta boys, Paulo and Campbell Gillard had a great season, but two players that don't get, that haven't been that have been going under the radar, but have been integral to South Sydney's go forward this year, their front rowers. Uh Tavita Tola and Tom Burgess. Tom Burgess. Best season of Tom Burgess' career. Best season of his career. Easily and and they didn't start very well. I started to think they were going to be their weakness for this year. No, they've been some of their most improved players in the comp. But yeah, but once they got going, the rest of the South Sydney side just went with them. Is what they were really waiting on. And when you have a player like Cody Walker and and Damian Cook, you you know that's you what just want to play off the back just a little. Just give us a little something, and we'll do the rest. Yeah, they need that. And and once they got their their game going, and it took them a couple of weeks, but once they got it going, they have been a force to be recommended. And it's, you know, as a Roosters fan, we love to see South, you know, I'd love to see them bundle out in the first week. But as a rugby league fan, and just to watch good footy, if, and we love Latrell Mitchell as well. Even I, lo- South. I love improvement through the year yeah, as well. You want to see good That's footy. one of the, the most exciting things is when you see players and teams really improve throughout the year. You know that they've gone out, they've gone away and done a lot of the right things, um, and they're going to come at the back of it. Going, I'm better now than I was at the start of the year, and that's exactly where I want to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so they they're fantastic. Um, you know, and uh, I, I guess it's hard not to talk about front rowers and, and not talk about um, uh, the young manly front row, Adam Fanua Blake. Yeah. Um, he's had a bit of a disruptive year. You know, a few games out here and there, but he's shown both when he's there and when he's not the influence and impact that he makes. Um, he's another try scorer. gets over the line uh, quite often. But it just the way he hits the line and the post-contact meters that he gets and the amount of bodies that are needed to get around him to pull him down um, really makes him uh, a, real, a real struggle and a real, a real worry for defences. And while, they've got, while Manly have people like Fanua Blake and Martin Tapao, um, when they have front rowers like that, they're always going to be a chance if they, just, they can have enough fit blokes on the field. So, you know, a bit of a lost year for Manly and a bit, uh, a bit heartbreaking for them to not be able to get it going. But there's certainly um, a, a bright light in Adam Fenor Blake. And he's only, he's not too, he's only still quite young too, isn't he? He's only, yeah, maybe around the same age as uh, Toby Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, he's like 24 or something, isn't he? Yeah, so he's, you know, plenty in him and he'll mature, he'll mature as well. He'll mature over the next few years and, he'll, you know, I look to probably try and take him the mantle of being one of the top props in the game. Yeah, yeah. As well, he should. We go into our front, our hookers, hookers. Who you got? Under the hookers. Yeah, there's been um, there's been a couple of very special hookers this year, hasn't there? Yep. Um, 
Uh, do you want me to lead us off? Yeah, take it away. Yeah, look, uh, it's hard to go past um, the the bloke that's helped the team sit at the top of the comp. Happy Coruscant. He has been the buy of the season, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And just transform that Panthers attack. Um, no doubt off the back of some great improvements from a lot of other players. But he's just funneled that straight from the start. You know, a really dynamic running game. He's made... He makes a lot of right decisions. That's what I've noticed what he's done this year. He's passed when he's meant to pass. He's run from dummy half when he's meant to run. You know, he doesn't kick off them, but when he does, it makes, it makes that impact. And, yeah, he's, he's been sensational. You know, if, he'll be very unlucky to not, uh, to not play a rep footy this year. You know, and, and that's not to say that he won't. How I describe his effectiveness is you have to give him the right amount of attention. If he gets the incorrect amount of attention, whether it's too much or too little, he makes you pay. If you're more worried about the halves outside him, he'll cut you up through the middle. Yeah. If you give him too much attention, he'll be able to, because he's got that craft to be able to work his forwards and behind you, or send it to the superstars of that side and Nathan Cleary and Jerome Lua, and they will make you pay. So you have to balance the right amount of tension. And you know who the other guy who was like that? Okay. Who's that week? Cam Smith. Cam Smith, yeah. The greatest. If you don't give him the right amount of attention, you pay. Simple. Well, they're the, they're the kind of guys there's no greater impact that they make than when you see that they're not out there. Yeah. Um, and Manly can attest to this by not having Coruscant this year. It's been a real, um, for me, has been a massive missing point for them as the nine. Yeah. Um, let's not forget, Happy Coruscant was a grand final winner too. Correct, yeah. We don't want to talk um, about that great But yeah, Cameron Smith, the GOAT, this guy is... There could not be a better metaphor than like a fine old, fine red wine. He is still the best hooker in the game. Yeah. He's still the best. Like, some of the kicks that he does out of... Like, there's no better uh, hooker, no better kicking game for a hooker than what Cameron Smith has. And then he has all those other strings to his bow. Yeah. The way he can just control the tempo of a game. And at, to be 37 and still be playing in the toughest part of the rugby league field in the middle and doing what he does, it's scary. I'm fucking glad that he doesn't play for Queensland anymore. Yeah, absolutely. He could play this year, but um, when, he was, when he said that he was retiring, that was a big boost for New South Wales. Massive boost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another, Absolutely. Another, another hooker this year, uh, New South Wales hooker, Damien Cook. He might lose his spot this year. You never know. He might not. But he's been fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's more just, it's not that he hasn't been good enough. It's just more the banger on the door from the guy behind yeah. him. When he, look, he started out of the gates a little slow. I guess there was a lot of expectations well, for him too. Said, with this. Was once those front rowers got their game on, and yeah. they went to the forward pack. And so like... At the beginning of the year, I just thought if Liam Knight is in your starting rotation, you're probably a front row short. That's yeah. not a knock on Liam Knight. It's more the reality he's probably number one off the bench type of front row. Yeah, that's, his, that's he, where he's at. Yeah, if he is your number one off the bench front rower, that means the other front rowers are good enough to get yeah, you sure. the ball and, and to threaten the top two. 
That's that's what I'm saying. Because if he's your fourth front row, then that's when you you're in a good position. It wasn't until he managed to get back onto the bench, give those guys. I think like I think Tavita was starting. He was starting at lock though. No, that's right. They had Cam Murray in the bench because Cam Murray's now finding his form as well because he's, he's and- that rhythm, that rhythm to his season. Um, and you know, Cam Murray's as good as any thirteen in the game, really. And the other thing I think as well, you know, with those. You know, this, Cook was quiet to what we expect him to be. Yeah. And he's only quiet because our expectations are very high. Um, and he's so electric out of out of the nine role. And in the beginning of the year, though, over those first two months, South Sydney struggled to complete over 70%. Um, uh, and when they went, and that was probably their biggest, I guess, the biggest thing holding them back was just holding the ball. You know, because we saw what they could do with the ball. Once they've held on to that ball, Damien Cook starts getting repeat sets. He starts playing with the markers. Cody Walker starts coming into the game, you know, and they really start moving off the back of all of that. And there's a reason why he's one of the most dangerous nines. And he's a guy who's on, he's in every video session when you come up against South. Um, but, but another guy who's obviously been, you know, had a massively breakout year and he's probably a guy who, who could be challenging for that said Queensland hooker role is, is young Harry Grant at the West Tigers. You know, another... Another competitor for buy of the year. To me, it has to be Appy because of where Penrith sit on the ladder. Um, but considering how much better of a football team the Tigers look like with Harry Grant in it, wow. For a young kid in his first full season, he has been the best player in that team. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Easily. So maybe not for Luma, sorry. The winger. Yeah, yeah. So that's who he's battling with, really. So... That's an impressive first first up year, and and as we've seen, just the class of of the man as well. Naturally, the Tigers want to hold on to him, but you know, as he said, he goes, "Look, the Storm they've they've given me the opportunity, and I owe them that much." And it's pro- I mean, look, in hindsight, you look back and you see the tutelage that Harry Grant has been able to have, you know, with the greatest hooker of all time in Cameron Smith to be there showing him the ropes. Uh, Craig Bellamy, one of one of our finest coaches. Uh, as a leader through his time down there. Then you've got voices like Billy Slater uh, over the period, uh, you know, Cooper Cronk's been there. And you've got Brandon Smith as well, this competition for nine spots. You know, everyone talks about Harry Grant and where where could he be uh, with uh, Cameron Smith's looming decision on retiring or not retiring. But people often forget how fucking good Brandon Smith is at hooker as well. And that's how good their hookers are. Is it no surprise of the three great hookers that the Melbourne Storm have when you really think about it and see that Cameron Smith is the starting nine and these are the two guys that go to training and watch him play more than anyone else in the comp? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. It's because I know this is going to sound dumb, but out of all of those creative positions, out of all of them, there's three of them, out of the hooker, the six and the seven, I reckon the easiest one to to, uh, teach... Not the easiest one to execute. The easiest one to teach is the nine. Yeah. Because, and the reason why I think that's easier than the seven is because that distance. So as a seven, you've got a, that, that the timing of the defensive line can, can be different. Yeah. Whereas from the nine, you're really working around the marker. Yeah. The usually so you've got a simpler, simpler focus. Yeah, correct. So, I'm not saying Brandon Smith's got that craft. Uh, Harry Grant's got a little bit of that craft. Um, But 
what I mean is he can literally stop on a dime and say, bang, here, look at this. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, as a halfback, you can try and say, this is how deep you need to go, but it's hard to replicate that or emulate that that depth and that pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is a surprise. And I think, I think I said this about Billy Slater in the last episode. The true greatness of someone isn't just their own performances. It's the ability to be able to pass that knowledge on. Yeah, yeah. bring out the best in others. I don't know who, I think it was McInnes who said that Billy Slater's being able to transition that into the fullbacks that they've got. Because let's be fair, they had uh, Jerome Hughes as the second choice fullback and Pappenhausen as the first, the third choice fullback and the first choice fullbacks at another club. Yeah. So like he ended up going because he was like, well, I've been overtaken now because of injuries and they've all got their chances. So he's been able to put the, 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 not him into them, but he's been able to put the knowledge to be able to execute what they need to do. And yeah, to allow them to be as great as they can be. To, you know, yeah, look, it's... Central. I don't think it is a coincidence. And I feel like Cam Smith can can do that. Whether he's going to be a good coach or not is another story, but can impart his knowledge where, you know, Joey Johns, as good as he was as a player, I reckon he hasn't been able to replicate it yet. And you just look at the likes of Jared Mullen uh, or any any other Newcastle halfback. Uh, yeah, but he hasn't been heavily in, involved in Newcastle sevens. He's a bit of a, you know, he's a contract man. You know, he's working with Parramatta for the Roosters. Yeah. You know, with, with all these other... He's still been a halves coach for a number of clubs. Sure. Well, much I, like his brother. But I think, I think sometimes, like, it's hard to get what's in his brain and being able to put it in someone else's. Correct. Well, that's why you quite often hear the massive raps on Matthew Johns and his work as, as a halves coach. He wasn't as talented as Andrew. I mean, you had to work a little harder for some of those yeah, things. Take the information out and putting it in. And that's the message. That's the, and it's not the true sign of a greatness of something like that, but that's the true sign of your legacy is being able to pass that on. And it's, yeah. when, you, when you go back to Billy Slater, I've heard a lot of raps. When you think about those, say, those three main guys from that storm spine in Slater, Cronk, and Smith, the most likely one to become a coach out of the three is, in fact, Billy Slater. You know, Cooper Cronk's obviously shown I'm happy to work for Fox and work in the media, and he's got that media personality, do a little bit of coaching with the Roosters. Cameron Smith seems like he's going to park himself up for Channel 9 for 30 years. Channel you know, 9. And, maybe he, and he could be, and he could be a, or probably maybe not Channel 9, actually. Yeah. But yeah. then what? Does he go to Fox with Cooper? Um, maybe he's a Queensland coach in the future, but I could see Cameron Smith just, you know, being a lot of other things and not a coach. But Billy Slater, you know, maybe he's some head coaching in the future for Billy Slater. I would like to see Cameron Smith run the game. Like the the CEO, yeah, or, or chairman, chairman of chairman of the commission, football operations, whatever. Yeah, that could be that could be insightful. Yes. Absolutely, That's why not? In the game because there'll be no more respected opinion. We won't, we won't agree with all of the things that he has to say, but there'll be no more respected opinion. Simple as that. Yeah. Anyway, we move on to the next guys, the eleven and the twelve. The edge, the edge boys. Edge guys, I'm going to kick it off, John Bateman. Last week, I went with George Williams. This week, I'm going with John Bateman. Now, now he might not necessarily qualify to make it in the team. We've had this discussion. And I'm willing to accept that he, he doesn't qualify. But what I want to start off with him for is because since he's been back, he hasn't missed a beat. He's 
taken the Raiders again to another level. They were already yes. performing well, but he's taken them to another level. But the thing that I love about him is that he he, he's, he defends as four in on the right-hand side. He mainly attacks four in or, you know, as the edge backer on the right-hand side. But if he feels like it, and just because for no other reason than the fact that he feels like it, he's going to kick the fucking ball. He's going to run to the other side of the field. He's going to yeah. do what the hell he likes. Because that's how you play football, especially in grandma's backyard. And I just think, you know, I've given him a spray. And personally, I thought he was a little bit off when it comes to that contract, the debacle that happened throughout the season. But put that aside, mate. He's the Showing his worth. He's an amazing back rower. He's an amazing player, amazing footballer. He's only lost to the NRL, massive loss to the Raiders. And, and I just want to recognise him as one of the four back roles in the game at the moment. He's been a real, um, obviously, a shining light for the Raiders and something that, you know, obviously when Josh Hodgson went down and got injured, you know, the first thing is like, oh, they're done. You know, maybe they'll even miss the finals. Yeah. Um, they can't win it without him. And not long after Hodgson got injured, Bateman came back and, the Raiders have been able to just continue to be a really, really strong side. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of kept holding back that question of what's to say we can't do some damage even without Hodgson. And the reason is for, because of players like John Bateman. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and what and he, he's a guy that obviously... Because, look, as one person can be amazing. One person can only actually physically do so many things on a football field to impact it. But it's, again, what we were talking about just before. It's what he brings out of his teammates. And he obviously brings so much confidence to the rest of that Raiders side um, that, yeah, he's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. Because the other guy I was going to mention is his his second-row partner, Elliot Whitehead. Mate, he put put a little grabber through on Saturday as well, which helped set up a try. He hasn't – I don't think he's missed a game in four years or five years. Yeah, like, honestly, like, he came over here. I think he's been, this is his fifth year. And I think he might have, he played some games, he missed a couple, and he played, like, 115 games straight. Yeah. Um, he's just, like, that northern Englishman who just, he just plays, he's that guy who plays, he, when he was growing up, he played league on the weekend. He also played union just to stay fit for league. And then he played for the school team. And then he also played Oztag and Touch and water polo in and around it. But also, he's from England. So he obviously played football as well. He would have had to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's been great. You know, he's always, he's always a, a deep hole threat. Um, uh, coming in close to that line, the way he sort of he hits that line really strong. And he's obviously a workhorse as well, he's as you expect from England. He's got all the skills, isn't he? He's, he's got all the skills. He can offload. He's good in defence. He's a good... Re- no, no, all back rows are good in defence. That's why they put there. So that's a stupid comment. But he's just got all the skills. He's, you know, he's a threat. He doesn't have weak points in his game. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. He's got no weak points. And, and he's consistent. He doesn't have weak points in his game. Yeah, he's, and he's been... Also, that's the other thing that I was going to say is is he doesn't die wondering. And I'm not saying he, has, he changes matches, but I, I, I see him try and change matches. Yeah. You know He's not I mean? going to die wondering. Yeah. And he go like, okay, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. But he, he like, doesn't necessarily like give me the football, but he'll go looking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wants he's it. not afraid of the moment. Yeah, he's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of the moment. Yeah, which so, is the, and you want as many of those guys in your team as possible because you know football is about moments and when moments become too big, um, that's the diff can be the difference between winning and losing. Now another front, another back row, sorry, edge back row that was impressive this year. He's really really improved this year. I'd have to give him the oh it's a tight one, but I'm probably going to give it to him because I don't want to be too biased. Jaden Silver, 
been yeah. fantastic for, for he has. He's actually started to turn into one of those enforcers, really. You know, he's a threat on the edge and with the ball. He's damaging in attack, in the defense as well. He, he makes you... He makes you know... He's put some serious heat in some of those hits now this yeah. year. He's really sort of... Consistent all year. I always thought, you know, he's probably not quite there yet. And from the, from the first game this year and every game after that, he has been top shelf type of player. Yeah, he has. He's been phenomenal. It's a great find for, for South. He's only, only a young guy too, only 22. I think he's a Queenslander too. Yeah, I think he is as well, yeah. I think he's a Queenslander, so he's probably got some origin for him, uh, coming for him around the corner. Um, just a fantastic find. And obviously having a guy like Jaden Sewer probably gives Bennett a lot more confidence now than at the beginning of the year when he went, I need to put Cam Murray on an edge because yeah. I don't think we have enough edge threats. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's... And, and obviously the emergence of Bailey Syridan as well has also allowed that too. Um, but you wouldn't be able to do that unless you've got a strike weapon in a guy like Sewer. So yeah, he has been great. He, I, I can't, I can't fault that selection. If you didn't mention him, I would have. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to be the homer, Wick, yeah. and I'm going to mention a guy who's who's been one of the most improved players in the competition this yes. year. Um, Satuli Tupanua. He is playing so well that he's not let, he's not giving up that starting spot. He he filled in nicely, you know, during this uh, injury plague middle part for the Roosters. Now. I remember when he burst on last year when he came off the bench and he had a couple of those great runs where he's, he hit that hole, uh, created line breaks, getting the offload, and they're all exciting. And when you've got 20 or 30 minutes on the field, you can just kind of go like an energizer bunny. And then this year he started to get a few more big minute games and he had some moments where he was a little quieter and just sort of going about his business and uh, a bit more, I guess, expected of him without the strength in that side. But he's come out the end of that from having all that and showing that he deserves to be there just as much as anyone else. Yeah. To the point that Angus Crichton, who has been phenomenal this year, like another guy, both on the edge and in the middle, like the way he, the Angus, way Angus Crichton started the year, he looks like he's going to be in blues calculations. Robbo's like, Angus, you stay on the bench. Satuli, you're all hanging on that edge. Angus, I'm going to use you in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's a real testament to how well Tupanu is playing. You know, he hits a great hole. Yeah. He's a hard guy to stop when he hits that hole. He's got he's got enough ball playing in him to throw the pass too, um, or get the offload. And again, he's only young. He's only twenty three. He'll get a lot better. Yeah. He'll improve a lot. Well, we watched that. We watched that uh, under twenties, two thousand and sixteen under twenties. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah, when we were down uh, down in Kalbara, down yeah. south coast. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it? Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we yeah, that that weekend, and <laughs> I didn't know he was actually in that team. So one Murray was in that team, which is, you know, the graduates of Victor Radley, Nat Butcher, and obviously, uh, Joey Manu. Joey Manu. And obviously, Satili Tupanor. But I never knew, he has been part of the club for that long. Yeah. So he has come through, been a part of the breeding, part of the process, part of the building. And now, as you said, as he's come out through that other side, He's a mainstay in the side. Um, I still think there's every chance he's probably going to be coming off the bench by the time the finals come around. Yeah, but he's shown himself that he is a worthy starter in yeah. the NRL. Correct. Correct. Well, <laughs> there's plenty more back rolls as well to talk about. Obviously, the big man from Penrith. The, the guy who I think is the greatest player in the game at the moment. Nobody can tell. Greatest him. player in the game. At the moment. Give him the ball. Wow. Talk. Wow, Good call. Viliami Kicker. 
Um, I said it from the beginning of the year. People asked me who was going to win it. Did I did I say did I say Penrith are going to win it? You you had Penrith in and amongst all that, yes. Maybe top four or something like that. And I and I played. You said Penrith are going to be awesome, and and I said why, and you said kick out. Yeah, because no one can tackle him. Simple as that. Yeah. And then he's proved me right. He's done me justice this year. So thank you, kick out. And yeah, uh, like it goes without saying, he's been unbelievable. He is the thing is he's been unbelievable for a long time. I, I just have this memory of the 2018 semi-final against the Sharks. So they must have won week one. So they could yes. win the Sharks. So they go on to play the Sharks. And and I just was looking at him and I think he's he's too good. He's too good. And then I think I might have seen him as well before that, like watching him. But then as you see him at the field, you see how fucking big the guy is. You're like, yeah. I don't care who it is. No one can tackle it. And then I think my memory of that game was... The, the Sharks were, 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 were smashing them. Not smashing them, but were comfortable. Especially at half-time. In the second half, the Panthers started to come away with it. Yeah. When he's in full flight, when he gets going, and that's what happened, the, the Sharks managed to just get away with that game. But it was like, you know, the clock is what saved them, if anything. Not, yeah, not yeah. Panthers the Panthers were coming. The Panthers were coming. I, think, that, no I think the thing that's been um, massive for Kikau's game is... Like you said, he's been good for a long time. Yeah. But when you've got a team that's only got a, one or two weapons, you can neutral, you can sort of angle in and try and neutralise that said weapon. Yeah. And while he's always going to be tough to tackle, to opposition teams, Neil, if we can shut kick out down, Panthers don't have any other weapons to throw at us. Whereas now they've sort of they've got more strings to their bow. Yeah. They can use kick out as a decoy. Um, they've got other forwards punching the line. You've got Kiri just having a field day with the boot. And then you've got guys like Crichton and Naden and Toto and Mansour and Dylan Edwards all becoming threats. That now Kikau doesn't have as much to do, so now he can do more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, no, he's he's the best. I think there's there's no question he's the best edge back rower in the competition. I don't think there'd be many people who would argue with that or who could come up with an argument for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I say, when I talk about guys that help make his job easier, he's second row part second row partner this year. You know, yeah. Kate, much like Satuli, come in. Kirk Capel was a starting back rower. Liam Martin was coming off the bench, you know, in deeper in that squad. And he's come in for an opportunity and he has not given back that spot. I mean, you keep, you keep talking about him as an origin bolter, um, yeah. but he's been sensational. And having that other edge threat makes Kickout just so much more powerful. And it's been really, really key for the Penrith success this year. Yeah. And, and we've got to have special mention. We've, you've done a post on the, both of these players this year. Eli Katoa, 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 and Tohu Harris from the Warriors. You know, yeah. they, they've had a tough year being over here without their family. There's a chance that Katoa might not even be allowed back into New Zealand. Not sure what's going on with his visa or his, his ability to get back into New Zealand. Yeah, because he's not actually, a, he doesn't have to have a New Zealand passport or Australian passport. Yeah, yeah, well, he's here now, so he can stay here. You know, the Roosters find a spot for him, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't go back, uh, but he, he is, is going to be. He's going to go back just not sure. He will be one of the best in the comp. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. He actually, I've got him on Instagram. So whenever we do a post on someone, I try and find their their handle so I can tag them in it. But then also I feel, well, I want to follow them, you know? And so yeah. you know, his story come up and he shows a, he, he showed a picture of him in 2017, which was three years ago. I granted it was three years ago, but he was so big. 
but yet you look at him and you know that he's still so young. You know that yeah. look. You know that yeah. look. Like, yeah. Like, oh, he had his two mates. And they, it was a rugby rugby photo. It like, might have been just for a game. And he had his two mates. And they were smaller than him. Obviously, they must have been backs. But he was just standing there next to them. There's enough of that baby charm on his face that you go, I know you're not old, but you're huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, it just the look was like, and you can tell, you know, when he played from the word go, Matty Chambers was the one who, who identified him to me. And you could tell he was always the best player. But you know how sometimes people are just bigger and faster than everyone? Yeah. So that's what he would have been. But also, now you see him transition to first grade. He also would have been better as well. Not just bigger and faster. He was more skillful. He was smart, yeah. IQ. You know what I mean? Like to 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 not play rugby league until what was it last year? Yeah, last year is when he started playing rugby league. Playing rugby league. Yet to be able to play rugby league as he does, you you've got skills. You know, now rugby union is very similar to rugby league. But at the same time, it's still very different. Yes. You know what I mean? So to be able to transition so so smoothly, you have to have IQ. At a very high level as well. Yes. Yeah, this is, this, is not, this is not playing park football for the local rugby union or rugby league side learning the rules. This is at the highest level. Yeah, yeah. You actually have to have smarts about you. You have to actually know, be able to read the game, read the defence, read the ball player who's helping you. Like, and where I get this from, I just see this one one moment where he was able to just read the play and jump to the right, like to the outside of a player. And obviously practice that. And But that, that, that scenario doesn't happen as often as it does in rugby league. I'm sure it's yeah. happened in, in rugby. But just the... the how often it happened. That's like an edge back row line, right? Where he's like, you're going in and then you see that it's not on there. So you jump to the other side and the ball player as a combination. You read that and then you just, you know what I mean? And I just yeah, thought, yeah, I just sure. thought yeah, that's smart. You know, not everyone has that. And sometimes they just, they pick their line and they just, that's them. They can't change it. He's, he's going to be a massive fine for the Warriors. They want to hold on to him for as long as they can. Um, you know, especially with the combination in, in Tohu Harris, who's, I think, had one of his best years. Um, I mentioned when I when I sort of talked about him earlier uh, in the year that he'd had a bit of injuries in the last year or two and then he had been back on the park. He's been one of the Warriors' best. Yeah. And uh, I remember when he had with Wall of Six for Melbourne. Yeah. You know, he's seen him play in the centres. Now he's playing. He's been playing in the middle the last few weeks, you know, after being on the edge for so long. So like the very, very, very talented football player. Yeah. We'll have to move on to the 13s. These are the most... These are the... The more skillful type players, the ones with a bit of variety. I'm going to well, shoot. The real evolution of this role, this position in the last couple of years, too. I'm going to shoot off here. I know I went first last time. I'm going to go first again because I want to get this out of the way. Could create a debate, but Cam McGuinness, I think he deserves to be in the conversation for the best 13s in the game this year. He's a hooker. He's been forced to go to 13 for what's best for the team. And it's like he's been playing 13 his whole life, if you ask me. I think he's yeah, been looking for the Dragons. Very well suited to it. You know, there's so the way this 13 role looks, you know, obviously there's a few different shapes and sizes of it. Um, you know, there's one side where you're going to see that 13 that's going to be kind of like a second six, big back row, a second six, kind of skillful. And then I think there's going to start to be a lot more of these second dummy half type 13s. Yeah. You know? I, the way the middle has become so important and, and, you know, also quite intense, 
having an extra guy who's quite used to getting in a dummy half, um, right already there in the middle of the field, I think is so vital. And there's a bit the reason why he's been so effective, you know. I, I, I'd be surprised if he's not in the origin squad, yeah. given his versatility. And Asta hasn't been in his origin squad. Yeah, he's, he's been great. He has been great, you know. For, and it's for a guy that's been a fantastic hooker that was, you know, over the last couple of years been sitting right there behind Cook or whether he's going to be Cook and Coruscant and McGuinness have been those sort of the three nines for New South Wales. To slot straight into 13 and be as effective as he has, impressive. And it's a real shame the Dragons have just not been able to be as consistent because none of it's to do with him. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think Ben Hunt has even said he's, he's just helped with the direction in around there as well. So not only has he been doing the workload, but he's also been doing the, the direction in around the, that. Yeah. That. I think more, more of those second nine type 13s, definitely. Um, look, a very different type of nine. Uh, type of nine. Yeah. Very different type of 13 who's who's been great this year, um, Nathan Brown. He's, he's always exciting to watch. You know, he's, he's always going to leave it out there. Sometimes he's going to go off a little hard and, uh, you know, maybe give away a penalty. Or, or But he's definitely going to fire up his team. He's the heart and soul of that Parramatta pack. You know, the term coming off the back fence, there's only one person that that could really suit. Two people, Nathan Brown, Martin Lane. They're the two people who come off the back fence. And I didn't think I'd see another person like Martin Lane come off the back fence, but Nathan Brown, he he can change the direction a little quicker than than Martin Lane and the work or the work that he does. He's not a big guy, Nathan Brown, but he plays like he's 120 kilos. Uh, so very valiant from him. He's look again, he'll be in the mix whether he's there or not. I, I don't know, um, but he he's been very valiant for Parramatta and be disappointed as they've sort of slipped away that he's not able to sort of continue to get him through. But a bit of time left in the year, so we'll yeah. see. Um, but there's been a lot of great 13s this year. Yeah, I think the form 13 of the year, though, for definitely for me anyway, Isaiah Yo for the Penrith Panthers. Now the Penrith Panthers, yep. they've got a they've got a mention in the as the block of the year. They've got a mention in the back row. They've got a mention at hooker. They've got a mention in the front row. You know, and there's no surprise that the team at the top of the table have got players littered through this entire. Tire. I'm not knees anyway. They're all over the shop when it comes to nominees. And when you only lose one game, you must be doing something right. Yeah, exactly. They're all playing. And, and, and you just talked about Nathan Brown. I actually paired up their stats from the game on the weekend. And I, was at, I, don't, I don't want to give any discredit to, to Nathan Brown, but Isaiah Yo was phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. I think he played the 80. If he didn't play the 80, his numbers certainly look like he played the 80. Uh, and, you know, to go from, you know, I've got a mate who's a Panthers fan, Ryan Hamilton, if you're out there listening, shout out. And he was asking to trade him last year. And I couldn't believe it. I thought he was so... He was good. on the edge last year too. He's really made a nice shift into that 13 job. so versatile. And, and that could have been his uh, his downfall in a way where, you know, he didn't know what he was had to do. He didn't know if he was playing in the centres, whether he was playing in the middle, whether he had to play on the edge. You know, in, you know, you could do that if your your one position for the for the season or for the team is this. And then in a game, you might need a change. Okay, fair enough. And then the next week, they'll put someone else for that position and then you go back to what you're doing. Because he's been given the one role this year and he hasn't had to venture too far out of that too often, 
we're actually being able to see how consistent he actually is as a player because I always thought he was good enough to be doing these performances, but to be able to maintain it throughout the whole year is the skill, and that's what he's been able to do this year. And that's why he deserves to be in this conversation of the best 13s for the year this year. Mm. He's been fantastic. I was listening to Ivan Cleary talk about um, Isaiah Yo on Saturday, and so it was post-game, and, and he brought up, obviously, he said, he remembers early in his career when he first started playing him and there was a game where they had a few injuries and he had to put him in the centers. Yeah. And he went out there in the centers, but he was just comfortable immediately. Like the coach felt that he could trust him to do what the job that he needed him to do out there. And he said from that moment, he could, he knew we could always trust um, Yo and he had definitely bigger sort of, I guess, ambitions for where he could be in part of this side. And Fisher-Harris was originally the 13, but they've made the shift and moved you know, off that edge into the middle because he offers more and he knows he can bring more. And look, he's been... Hopefully he gets rewards at the end of the year with a blue jersey because he, he deserves it. And, and just to mention Ryan Hamilton again, he's actually changed his position to the point where he says, I can't believe I thought we should have traded him last year. So, so yeah. yeah, we've all got jumped on board. The Panthers, you know, they're, they're, they're prowling out there. What is it? Does a Panther roar? Whatever a Panther does, they're doing that out there in the West. And they, they're certainly roaring. They're certainly roaring. Um, you got the other, other 13s? Yeah, look, there has been a couple other good 13s this year. Um, look, you can't go past, uh, like, another really sort of, uh, I guess, great emergence has been down in Canberra, Joe Tarpany. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's certainly really come along for them, what he's been able to offer. He's a guy that can play on the edge, can play in the middle. Um, you know, he'll do what you need him to do. Um, he's got a great work rate. He also, he doesn't make, he very rarely makes bad errors. You know, I know you don't want to focus too much on something that someone doesn't do. It's also what they do, what they do do. But he's not the guy that's going to let that team down. Um, and he's just been sensational in a team that's, that has not only, they've lost, they've had to deal with Soliola gone, um, Horsburgh gone. You know, they've lost a lot of depth through that middle. And he wasn't starting in the 13 to begin the year, you know. And then they had Horsburgh in that 13 role and then Tarpany is now slotted in there. But he, he was starting on the edge, that's why. Because Bateman yeah, was, he was on the edge, yeah. But he's moved into that middle. And I think he looks at home there. Yeah, well, that's where I think he belongs. He played 13 in the grand final last year. Yeah, yeah. He sort of moved to the edge early in the year. But 13's where he belongs. Yeah. He's been, he's been phenomenal. Well, in the middle, really. Like, he's not, he's not the... Though he has the speed and the footwork to play out wide on the edge, he's not the the Sonny Bill type middle. He's the no. he's the James Fisher Harris type middle more so. Yes, correct. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's been a very very great middle for him in a, in a team that's been hammered with middle depth. Yeah. So I think he gets extra points for that, in, in that you've you've had to really sort of carry more of a load in. Yeah, um, in that role, which is such so important to yeah. to the NRL at the moment. And, and I want to give a special mention. I mean, he's been injured this year. They haven't been performing too well, but not because of him. Jason Tamalola. I thought he, yeah. you know, he's still got big numbers. He still performs. Still the benchmark for 13s. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I'll just give a special mention. He might not make the All NRL team this year, but I do feel like he could be back this week too. Uh, reports he could be back playing for the Cowboys this week. So, um, which is great to see. Yeah. Uh, but look, there's. There's so many special 13s that, um, that we've got at the moment, and there's quite a few that we've missed out on um, who have been injured. Obviously, none other than our favourite, Victor Radley. Yep. Uh, who, so, a real shame that we haven't been able to get to see him playing footy this year. 
Um, but Jake Trebojevic, another great 13 playing for a struggling side. Yeah. And it, none of it's to do with what Jake Trebojevic is out there doing. You know, he's going to be wearing 13 for the Blues at the end of the year. There's no doubt about that. Um, and look, he's still just a phenomenal player. Phenomenal player. Anyway, um, have you got any other? I think we might even call that a wrap for tonight. We, we've gotten through I the. Think that's, you know, we've, we've got ourselves some nominees now. We've got a couple of weeks to, to, to fine tune who's going to make that squad. Um, yeah. But yeah, a couple of big footy games to, to help decide this as we come into the finals. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of backers of to and from between you and I. You know, there could be a few arguments over who's going to get the spot because the thing is, we're going to agree. We're not going to have a Zach first and second team and a Wiki first and second team. We're going to have a two in the tackle, first team, all in a row, and a second team, all in a row. And we will agree. So if there's some good convos or there's some funny little little spats that we have, we'll, I will screenshot them and they will be up on, on Insta. We will share them to the world, hopefully not too explicit. And hopefully we can agree. You know, we tend to agree on a lot of things, but sometimes we can, it's hard to, you know, get, you know, fit Go find in four positions, really. So, you know. We'll see how we go. Anyway, it's been a pleasure as it is always. Always a great time, big baby. Games again this week. We, we, we don't have a nominated match in focus, but uh, if anyone wants to give us one, I'm sure we'll find one. Yeah, look, look at it there. It's basically top eight teams versus non-top eight teams this year and then Raiders, uh, Roosters versus Sharks. So uh, probably Roosters, Sharks, Raiders, Warriors. They'd be the two most exciting games this week. Um, But really, it's all about getting ready for finals footy. Uh, Boston, Miami kicking off in their Eastern Conference finals later this week. So we can talk a bit bit more about that next week as we're deeper into the finals. Tomorrow? Is that not tomorrow? tomorrow? Uh, The next day. Okay. Wednesday. So yeah, Wednesday morning Australia time. Let's go Celtics. Keep that dream alive. Uh, and the winner will play Lakers and Lakers or Clippers or Nuggets. Yeah, really. We've got another game seven, baby. The Lakers are already in the Western Finals, and they're waiting. already in the West. They're waiting. The Clippers and the Nuggets aren't they? Game seven. The Nuggets, Nuggets looking to make history and do back to back three one comebacks. Um, who would have thought? There you go. Anyway, much love, peace. We out of here. Up the chooks. I'm not your gaze. Look out! Look out!